Hi there, I'm Peter Goodwin with more audio news from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. A new book about cancer control was announced in London at the Royal Institution. It's the product of the Slovenian government's decision to begin its six-month presidency of the European Union with a massive troop surge in the war against cancer. The book predicts future burdens of cancer and looks at the steps that need to be taken, prevention, treatment and research. Derek Thorne asked Michelle Coleman, one of the editors of the book, firstly to explain the size of the cancer problem in Europe. There are more than 3 million new cases of cancer diagnosed in the European continent every year and 1.7 million deaths. If we take the European Union with its 27 member states, the figures are 2.3 million cases and about 1.2 million deaths. Those are very large numbers. They almost pass you by. They're so big. Um, What is uh, striking even more about these numbers is that they will increase by 20% by the year 2020 unless we do something about prevention. Because even if the cancer risks that we observe today don't change, the aging of the European population and the growth of that population will mean that cancer, which is largely a disease of older age, is going to become 20% more common um, within the next 15 or so years. So this initiative, essentially, that you are describing today, what exactly is it? It's an initiative from the Slovenian government. Slovenia is one of the ten new member states of the European Union and the first of those new states to become a president of the European Council as of January 2008. And almost two years ago they planned cancer as a key theme of their European Union presidency and they have commissioned us to carry out a state-of-the-art review of cancer control in Europe today. And that's what this book represents. There are 15 or 16 chapters by 30 experts from around Europe on every aspect of cancer control, from the number of cases to the causes of cancer, prevention, screening, early diagnosis, palliation, psycho-oncology, and cancer research, the full gamut. And you can consider this state-of-the-art review as a European-level review of cancer control and what needs now to be done to reduce the burden of cancer in Europe. It's a parallel to what most countries have begun to do, and some of them haven't yet started, but most have either begun or have already developed a cancer plan of some kind to take a strategic view of the problem of cancer in their country and to plan to reduce the burden across the entire range of aspects of cancer control that I just listed. There's been some talk here about using Europe as a kind of laboratory to look at how cancer is dealt with across countries. Why why is it you think that Europe is a good place to be studying this? Because there is such variation in the patterns of cancer across Europe. If we take just lung cancer for an example, um, the patterns are extraordinarily diverse. There is a more than twofold range of the uh, risks of developing cancer of the lung from Western to Eastern Europe. And it varies by age, by sex, and by wealth. In some countries, lung cancer is going up in both sexes. In others, it's going up in younger women and down in wealthier men who have differentially accepted, or not at all, 
the messages about prevention, in particular, of course, avoiding uh, tobacco consumption. So with that kind of disparity in the Europe-wide patterns of cancer, and of course cancer is a very diverse group of diseases um, itself, it is very difficult to draw a single European message about cancer control from the wealth of information available to us. We have to accept that there is a lot of geographic and of course economic variability in the capacity to control cancer across Europe and maybe that is why um, if it's true Europe would be a good experimental laboratory in the terms you described to um, examine cancer control. Michelle Coleman of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine talking about the book entitled Responding to the Challenge of Cancer in Europe and during the meeting at the Royal Institution another speaker picked up on one of these points. Oncologist Carol Sikora said Europe's big variety of people and healthcare systems make it an ideal laboratory for investigating new ways of treating cancer. Huge number of countries, very diverse cultures, very diverse ways of dealing with cancer, very diverse ways in which patients react with doctors. And so this is an opportunity to pool expertise and to look what works and what doesn't work. From the point of view of healthcare professionals and cancer doctors all over the world, what are the special things about the European situation that are opportunities to learn about how to treat your patient? I think we're all spending roughly the same amounts of money on treating cancer, roughly the same amounts. And yet we're getting very different results. We're getting very different results in terms of survival, but also in terms of how patients feel the system is coping with them. And I think it's a remarkable opportunity to again use the natural laboratory of Europe to try identify good practice and perhaps practice that is probably rather dated and we should move out. Could you give me some examples? I think access to diagnostics is very different in different countries. So in Britain, it's actually quite poor. People are waiting three months for a CT or an MRI, partly because of a lack of capacity, but also because of attitudinal problems within our health service. In France, same-day service or next-day service. So these are differences. Do they really matter? Well, let's look and see if they matter. And that's the sort of experiment observation we can do that we couldn't do without a European initiative. It's a truism to say that prevention is better than cure. How much of a contribution can cancer prevention make, do you think? We could save a third of all our cancer patients getting cancer by preventive strategies with today's technology. Different countries have implemented different strategies. Just take tobacco control. All different, all countries. The countries of the accession countries have got very poor tobacco control. They've got a legacy of tobacco abuse going back 30 years. Britain, France, other countries on the western side have implemented tobacco programs and we're gaining ground. Now, the problem with tobacco control, it takes 30 years before you really see an impact. But you can measure the short-term surrogates. You know, you go to a restaurant in London and it's beautiful, clean air. You go to a restaurant in Warsaw, it's not clean air. So that's the difference. Can we learn from these experiments? That was Carol Sikora, Professor of Oncology at London's Hammersmith Hospital. Another editor of the new book, Martin McKee, told the meeting about his work at the European Observatory on Health Systems and Policies that's heavily involved with the new initiative on cancer control. 
We're trying to look at the totality of cancer from drug discovery through the organisation of care right through to palliative care and incorporating the perspectives of clinicians, of biomedical researchers, of epidemiologists and of patients. Um, tell me more about the observatory as well. What, what exactly is it? Well, the observatory was brought together to provide the best possible evidence for health policymakers in Europe. It brings together governments, international agencies like the World Bank and the World Health Organization and universities like the London School of Hygiene and the London School of Economics. What kind of things do you hope will come out of the publication of this book in Europe? Well, first of all, many people find the books invaluable in terms of understanding what works and what doesn't work. Now, we're, we're well aware that you cannot simply take an idea that's been developed in one country and apply it to another uncritically. So we also do a lot of work with policymakers on a one-to-one -one basis in our policy dialogues, maybe bringing together people from a few neighbouring countries to look at how the evidence can be adapted to their needs, whether it will work in their circumstances or not. But in this particular case, we want to get cancer higher up the agenda in Europe. There clearly is an epidemic of cancer uh, in Europe. Uh, many countries are facing major challenges in the ability to prevent it, but also in the cost of treatment. And we think that there's much that can be learned from the different experiences. That was Martin McKee from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and the European Observatory talking with Derek Thorne. Lynn Folds-Wood, president of the European Cancer Patient Coalition, told the London meeting about her own experience of having cancer and why she thinks cheap mass screening techniques such as faecal occult blood testing need to be used more widely. When I was diagnosed just over 40 with bowel cancer, colon cancer, colorectal cancer as the doctors call it, it was a total shock. I had a year of misdiagnosis, I had a three-year-old child, and for five years I lived with a fear of not knowing whether I was going to live to see him grow up. And I believe that Slovenia's initiative is really going to put cancer back on the map in Europe because it was knocked out in 2002. And today, this publication, The Cancer Book, is going to give people the ammunition to fight cancer. If you look at bowel cancer, do you think that a lot of patients have been missed and are being missed in Europe and probably in many other countries around the world? Well, if a jumbo jet crashed every week in Europe, killing 300 people on board, there'd be a terrific outcry. And that's the number of unnecessary deaths we estimate. Even if some of those people were in their 90s or their 80s and it's harder to save them, thousands of younger people die unnecessarily of bowel cancer, colon cancer, every year in, in Europe. But how much can screening, for instance we have faecal occult blood which is simply not very effective, uh, how much of an impact can that make when in fact perhaps you should go to a more expensive procedure like colonoscopy for everybody over the age of 50? Um, I wouldn't say that faecal occult blood is, is not very effective. Uh, we're rolling out screening in this country and it's being very effective because we follow it up with colonoscopy afterwards and we're finding quite a number of cancers already. You have to have a system that fits with your Resources and the UK, where we discovered 10 years ago that really we were rather poor at colonoscopy because of the way it used to be taught see one, do one, teach one. There's been a dramatic shift, and, and all the screening centres use accredited colonoscopists. And so we're rolling out a lot of colonoscopy, and all credit to the National Cancer Director and the people who are organising this. Uh, so we will be in a position in the future to switch to something else, but you go with what, what resources you have, and it's the best solution at the moment of the UK, we're doing it in a way that's admired by the rest of Europe because it's population screening, we're not doing the rich and letting the poor suffer. 
That was patient advocacy leader Lynn Foldswood from London. With ever-increasing sums of money being spent on cancer research, another of the book editors, Richard Sullivan, told me how his chapter sets out to do something about the research areas of biggest need, which are sometimes missed. Europe has a very strong cancer research and science base. It, it, we're often assuming that the USA is dominant, and there's no doubt in terms of funding they are. But Europe does have a very strong cancer research investigator base across the board. Um, what we found, though, is that a lot of the dominance in fundamental biology related to cancer and in the development of new medicines, particularly through an innovative, innovative medicines initiative, has unfortunately meant that a lot of other areas which are equally important for patients in terms of cancer research, such as surgery, radiotherapy, prevention, has, if you like, suffered and not enough funding really has been directed towards areas which actually provide a huge amount of control and cure for cancer patients. Could you give me a specific and can you tell me what you think might be the research priorities to correct this? There's no doubt the research priorities for Europe should be around public health. This is around prevention, early diagnosis, um, clinical trials for public benefit. And by that, what we mean is looking at the very best combinations of drugs, radiotherapy and surgery, which are going to control um, cancer. And these are different from standard pharmaceutical trials. They can only really be supported by the public sector. It's also clear that we need to do a lot more research into surgical trials and radiotherapy. Again, Again, orphan areas which have suffered because of the dominance, if you like, of industry-specific drug trials. But it's well known that huge quantities of funding are available from industry and it's very, very difficult to get funding for randomised clinical trials, for instance, from governments. There's no doubt that the dominance of industry-sponsored spon trials is there because of the funding that industry puts in. We certainly see in some European countries that clinical trials, public benefit clinical trials, are being supported by governments. The UK, France, Germany, and to a lesser extent Italy, for example. But there's no doubt we need to do more. Each of these individual countries needs to put much more into their public clinical cancer trial infrastructure. And the European Commission also needs to support infrastructure broadly so that individual groups in countries can collaborate across national boundaries. That's going to become increasingly important important over the next 10 years. Is there anything special though that Europe can offer because to the outsider it may look like a bit of a tower of Babel with many cultures, many different types of governments, many different health systems. So isn't this too disorganised? The surprising fact is, actually, we're, we're, we're very similar in our thinking across Europe, and um, particularly when we compare to the United States. Actually, the issue has always been with the very different comparator or control arms that we use on clinical trials between Europe and the United States. There's a huge amount of agreement, actually, at a fundamental level in Europe on what sort of comparator arms and what are the major research questions. Of course, there will always be disagreement. That's inevitable and actually should be welcomed in science. The fact is, there is already cooperation going on. On. There are already very similar standards of cares and guidelines being brought out. And, and there is a huge potential for more cooperation, particularly in the orphan disease areas across Europe, to get very speedy trials answering important questions which are going to change clinical management in cancer care. That was Richard Sullivan of the London School of Economics, one of the contributing editors to the new initiative in Europe about responding to the challenge of cancer. That's all for now from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. From Derek Thorne and from me, Peter Goodwin, goodbye.